What's going on, Fantasy Football family? It's another episode of Off the Line Fantasy Football Podcast, episode 29. I am Eugene. You can find me on Twitter at Fantasy Genes. That's G-E-N-E-S. You can also follow our official Twitter handle at Off the Line FF. And as always, I am here with the other host of the show, Ike. How you doing today, man? Good, good. It's a, it's a bright and sunny day. You know, we have this uh, hot Texas weather. It's not even July yet. It's about to it's about to start heating up very, very soon. So, man, we're getting prepared for that. Getting prepared for that. Um, but, you know, I'm good. I can be found on Twitter at just underscore Ico9. Yeah, I'm just excited to talk more ball. You know, there's a couple of newsworthy items <laughs> that, that have come across our desk today <laughs> and over the last couple of days. Um, one is very, very somewhat disturbing. Depending on who you ask, but most for the most part, you're not you're not a sick pervert. Uh, it's kind of it's kind of just kind of disturbing. Uh, the, the whole Deshaun Watson thing is just it's starting to blow up now, man. Like I I don't know I, I don't know I, I don't think he plays this year. To be quite honest, I think. well let's 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 wait to really dive into that. Let's yeah. let's bring in the other host. We we got a special guest coming on today. Yeah 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 yeah. Uh, you but, know one half of the F forty Chess podcast. Our boy Adam, how you doing today? We appreciate you jumping on with us, talking talking fantasy team previews, uh, specifically the NFC North today. So, you know, talk to us. How nice. you doing? Yeah, how yeah, you doing? Man. I appreciate you guys having me on. I'm excited for this one, the uh, the off the line fantasy podcast. I, I love listening to it, man. Um, I'm excited to be on this one with you for the NFC North. I, I do like how Ike, you know, right as I come in, I'm from Cleveland. So first off, you know, it's not it's not sunny over here. It's it's you know, it's cloudy, it's rainy. You know, this is this is Ohio. And nice. then on top of it, we get the nice little Cleveland second slander of the, you know, we got all of our picks invested in this man and we is he gonna play all year? Um it, it's not good, man. Uh the news coming out right now is it's disturbing. It's it's not ideal for him, for the Browns. Woof. But yeah, you can find me. Uh, <laughs> you can find me at ATM Forty Chess on Twitter. Um, but yeah, man, maybe we we sprinkle in some some more Watson hate, and then we can talk NFC North, so I don't have to drown my sorrows. You know. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, uh, I know we talked about before we hopped on here. Um, it's definitely disturbing how we keep getting new, more and more information, more and more people coming out talking about up to at least 66 people that gave this man a massage of some kind. I'm not sure what kind that he was receiving. It yeah. seems like all, all types of, of massages, sports massages or, or, you know, quote unquote, other special type oh, of boy. massages. <laughs> but the underlining thing about this is that the Texans, like you said, Ike, before we hopped on here, that they screwed him twice. They, yeah. you know, they, they they talked about how they were never they weren't going to move him didn't move him last year still paid him and then when they did move him they leaked all this stuff they leaked they leaked everything even though they were the ones that you know were a proponent of this they're the ones that 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 handed out these NDAs to these massage professionals quote unquote uh, to you know you know keep it on the hush so y'all have anything else to add to, <laughs> to these dispens? yeah no i mean yeah like you know as you mentioned they 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 screwed him twice the, you know the texans enabled all this behavior and 
man, they're, it's, it's not their problem anymore. They got a lot of picks back for them. For Deshaun Watson, but man, it's it is a bad situation all around, and I don't see it get any better. As I was starting to say, I don't think he's gonna. I think the NFL is gonna come out and drop a hammer on him, and he's not gonna play it down in 2022. I don't. The way things are trending, it just does not look good. I mean, they were they were basically on the verge of ending, you know the you know the the investigation or whatever, uh, and they were about to come to a decision, you know, relatively quick. And then, boom, more stuff comes out, more details. A New York Times article that just details a lot of a lot of different shit that we hadn't even <laughs> previously known. <laughs> oh, man. I, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm very I'm very intrigued to see how they handle it. Uh, I've seen all kind of reports on what they might do, whether they just put them on the commissioner's exempt list all year, wait until the civil cases get heard next year and then make their decision. There's. There is a wide range of outcomes and the length of what he could be suspended is starting to get really lengthy and probably rightfully so. Yeah. Uh, an, a question for you, Adam, since you're, you know, you're a professional dynasty player. Okay. What about in the, in the dynasty space? How are you looking at Watson now? I know we talked about, we just talked about before we got here, we just saw the trade go down in, in our, uh, one of yeah. our dynasty leagues. Yep. Um, so is, what, what do you what do you expect to see in terms of the coming days and weeks in terms of his his price and movement? So I think his price, like dynasty in fantasy in general trades, it it's fickle. It's a fickle beast, right? And people get very high and low. And I think there's going to be a lot of panic. And and truthfully, I can understand where they're coming from with panic. I think depending on how far the panic goes, I, I would buy back in. Um, like that that trade, Noji bomb squad, right? Yeah. Zach Wilson, the other two pieces are whatever. Josh Palmer and Keontae Ingram. Like, they're just, they're noise. I mean, you're just talking about swapping Zach Wilson for Deshaun Watson. I mean, even if you're telling me Deshaun Watson is not going to play for a full season, even like a season and a half, depending on what my build is, I'll trade, I'll still trade Zach Wilson for that. Like, um, obviously it depends. Like, I'm not, I'm not buying Watson at the old, prices of a couple of weeks ago where you got to pay, you know, startup second prices. But yeah, if the panic's getting real and I can move out of a quarterback 20 something to get into Watson, I, th- I think I would do that. So okay. I think I, I would monitor it. I would not sell. I would not sell Watson at these panic prices. And depending on what they are, I, I, I might consider buying. Obviously, it's, you know, be, be cautious with it. But yeah, if, it, if the price gets low, I, I would consider buying it. Yeah. I don't know in a redraft perspective. I mean, he's in sleeper. He was QB thirteen. I mean, with these these this type of news, you can't even. I I can imagine him. He might not even get drafted at this point. Yeah, um, yeah. Redraft. We, I wouldn't. I wouldn't want to touch him. Yeah, yeah, we talked about we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. That we wouldn't even touch him. We wouldn't even waste a you know a draft pick. In the, what you're you're looking at the middle of the ninth round, tenth round to 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 draft him, and he's going to miss games. He's going to miss essentially half the fantasy season, and, and if not more, yeah, he's he's undraftable until we <laughs> until we actually see what's going to happen. Because I I do not have a good feeling about what kind of punishment is going to be you know handed down to him, and uh, and who knows, we may even see Baker Mayfield start again. Yeah, but yeah, so before right, we sorry, start the show, yeah, before we start the show, let's talk about that real quick. So Baker. He's. I know he's not at OTAs. He's at the. He's at the crib chilling. 
do you think there's a, a chance? Have they talked about the the potential of Baker maybe playing games for the Browns, or they're they're just you know they're just sold with with Jacoby? So I think you know there there was you know if you're not from Cleveland, you didn't see the diehard Baker truthers that um, were just blinded by their orange and brown, right? And Baker was just their guy and. There, there's still some guys that are very in on Baker, even though it's there's nothing left to be in on. So they're still kind of holding on to this right. dream that Baker's going to come back and play until Watson's ready to go. With the way things went down, I, I don't see how that's possible. Um, it seems like both sides are just not willing to budge and they're invested in moving on. Um, they brought in Brissett. I think this regime thinks – so lowly of Baker, they think that Brissett and him, that's not really much of a fall off. And we'll just take Brissett, even though maybe he doesn't have more upside, like he's going to just game manage us and we're going to run the football with Chubb and play the same style of offense that we played last year. So I, I don't foresee Baker coming back. I'm not going to say it's impossible. I mean, if they can't trade Baker and Baker realizes, well, nobody really wants me, <laughs> and maybe I'm better off coming back and playing eight, 10 games, getting my stock up and then going somewhere else. So I could see it both ways. I don't think he comes back, though, personally. Nobody yeah. really wants me. That's that's a sentiment that's being echoed right now because yeah. nobody wants to trade for So yeah. Nobody, nope. man. Nobody. If you, you don't realize it now, if you no don't market. realize it now, I don't know what you're waiting for. Yep. Yep. The, I think the Browns are playing it right, though, with the, with the Deshaun news for sure. But if I'm any NFL team waiting on Baker, I'm waiting for him to get cut. Honestly, there's no point. Yep. Who's yeah. going to take on $18 million or whatever the cost is for him when you can just get him for free? So Exactly. Yep. All right. So now let's go ahead and get into the uh, fantasy outlooks. And this week we're on the NFC North. No. Let's go ahead and get into it. The first team is the Detroit Lions. So PFF Gross. had their, <laughs> their offense ranked at 25th. Uh, they made a few mu- moves. They drafted Jameis Williams at 12 overall. They traded up to go get him. They traded all the way up to get him. Yeah, yeah. even though they they, they saw the, the wide receiver run, they were like, nope, we can't miss out on this. So they went yeah. to go get their man. Uh, they also drafted uh, – not drafted. They signed DJ Charker, a one-year deal. He was also coming off of uh, pretty much – he missed a whole last season with an injury. And then they re-signed uh, Khalif Raymond and Josh Reynolds. Blah, blah. Uh, so <laughs> nobody really cares about them. Yeah. Um, they're not fantasy they, relevant. No, they're not. I know they. Um, I know people are excited, a little bit excited for this offense. You know, you got people coming off an injury, uh, hyped up about the offensive line getting 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 uh, stronger and together another year. Uh, Jared Goff's last year was actually kind of decent. Uh, once you get past the 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 goofiness that he had with the Rams that you realize that he wasn't really that bad. Um, yeah. If you, if you played in dynasty, then he was a okay QB two. You didn't really play him in redraft. So, right. But the biggest question, let's talk about the biggest questions. Now, my first big question to ask Adam and Ike, will Amara be productive with the added and healthy weapons uh, coming back into the offense this year. I mean, Adam, let me go ahead and get you to go first since you're our let guest. Let the guest go. Let's, let's, yeah. get, let's let the guest go. So we, we want to know exactly what what position we're most excited about or what what, what is our what is our exact 
biggest question. You want so, me to give the biggest question. So Amaran. Okay, Amaran St. Brown. Mm-hmm. I know he was really productive last year, specific, specifically the last, what, six weeks of the season when when TJ Hawkinson was pretty much hurt. Yeah. Uh, Swift was kind of in and out of the lineup. Right. Uh, we saw him pretty much. He was a wide receiver, too, with uh, tied with uh, DeAndre uh, Devonte Adams, yep. averaging 25 points per game per uh, through weeks 13 through 18. Just a, he was just a monster. Yeah, um, he's so, unbelievable. Yeah. So my first question to both of y'all, to you first, is that do we think he's going to be just as productive as he was this past season with the with the ad- additions and uh, the health of you know TJ being healthy again, uh, DeAndre being healthy, uh, uh, another year of Josh Reynolds for whatever that's worth in the offense, uh, Jamison Williams, Williams coming in, yeah, yeah. J- being added to the offense also. So, I mean, d- down the stretch there. Um, from week 13 through 18, right? That was when he absolutely exploded. Um, mm-hmm. I don't think that is in the likely range of outcomes for him this the rest of the season. Hawkinson was down. Swift was – he came back in the lineup late, but they didn't even utilize him as this uh, bell cow that they kind of had before, right? So you saw his targets, right? 12, 12, 11, 11, 11, 10. I mean, he's double-digit targets all those weeks. I don't think he's locked into that type of target load. So I would not, like, buy into him as this, man, he's going to be this wide receiver one, wide receiver, you know, low-end wide receiver two. I do think, though, that, you know, what he did on the NFL field is something that's that's real. Like, as a rookie, um, I, I think it's probably in the range of outcomes that he's more of a back-end wide receiver two somewhere. Um Jamison Williams, I don't think, guys, is going to be ready right away. For me, anyway, I don't see that. In the, I think he's going to probably end up on the pup list or start slow. So I think early he still could be locked in as a wide receiver one. DJ Chark, all obviously, on the outside, too. You have Hawk and Swift. I think the offense should be better. I think the offensive line should be improved. I'm going to St. Brown and redraft, though. Lukewarm on him. Not, not, not overly in, but... More so in Dynasty, I'm still in on Amon Ross St. Brown. Okay, Ike. Yeah, uh, I I think he'll I think he'll still be you know relatively productive, but to your point, Adam, not necessarily on the trajectory that he was last year with all those double digit targets. Um, but one thing that we do know for sure is that he's locked into his slot role. He is the, he's going to be the primary slot receiver. I mean, he was number six overall um, in slots in slot snaps in 2021. So that's primarily where he's going to play. DJ Chark's going to be on the outside. Jamison Williams is most likely going to be on the outside. So that that role for him at least is safe. And we know Jared Goff likes to throw, um, you know, those short area passes, short intermediate. He may take an occasional deep shot here and there. Um, but, you know, you know, Jamison Williams tore his ACL in January. And to your point, he's going to be on the pup list, probably going to miss the first half of the year, you know, first six weeks of the year. So yeah, he'll he'll still be. I think he'll still be him and him and Hawkins will probably be fighting for the target lead. Um, but he'll. I think the early part of the season, he'll he'll still be relatively productive, and then we'll see what happens with Jamison Williams as he gets accl- acclimated to the offense and has you know once he gets you know gets his legs under him from missing so much time. And then we know De- DeAndre Swift's his role his role is not going to change either. So I think he'll still be relatively productive, but just somewhere between. You know, freaking awesome and and pretty good, or and, and relatively good, and relatively decent. I think that's kind of where we can land uh, with Amon Ross St. Brown. 
Yeah, yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm on the same sentiment as, as y'all too. I mean, he had 119 targets for the year. Pretty much 60% of those targets came in those those last five weeks of the season, six weeks of the season with, with Hawkinson out. So I should it should level off. He probably finished around there, I would think. But I just don't – I can't imagine him. I mean, he finished wide receiver with last year, and he's going around wide receiver 28 now. Uh, so I think it's a good range for him. I'm not sure. Like, I'm looking at some of these wide receivers that are going after him, like Traylon Burks, Brandon Cooks, Drake London, Darnell Mooney. I, I mean, I feel like I would want those wide receivers over at Amara because of these oh, are yeah. their number one. These are the number ones in that offense. So regardless taking, if it's a good average sure, or not. Taking, I, would, I would for sure take Cooks and Mooney. Um, in redraft for sure over 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 Amon Ra, and I like Amon Ra. I like I like him a lot. He's he was a productive player, but those guys are locked into their number one, definitively locked in to the number one receiver roles. So yeah, they'll be the target leaders for their respective offenses. So I yeah. yeah, yeah, I can get behind that. All right, question number two: Can DeAndre Swift finish as an RB one this coming season? Adam, go ahead. I know I mean, you're you're a yeah. Swift lover. Well, yeah, because he DeAndre Swift, DeAndre Swift truthers unite on this pod. That's why we have <laughs> we have him on because of stuff like this. We like our running backs too. So salute, I love that. I love that because well, I guess you know to answer your question, yeah, absolutely he can. I mean, he was a running back one points per game last year, essentially. So can he this year? I think there's a few things with DeAndre Swift I'm really, really excited about. Um, and I think last year, there, there's right now, it seems that recency bias is just a thing that in fantasy dynasty is a- ever a problem or something that we're too high or too low on people come from what we've seen recently, right? I mean, Amon Ross St. Brown would be more of the opposite where we saw him so much down the stretch last year be unbelievable that maybe we're thinking he's going to be that for the rest of next year when we know he's probably not going to see that type of target load. DeAndre Swift, there's this injury bug floating around him. He can't stay healthy. And I think we have to go back to why did he get hurt this year? And if you go back and look, there was that game versus Pittsburgh, horrible weather, and they gave him 30 carries. Now, what do we know about DeAndre Swift, guys? 30 carries is not the best way to utilize DeAndre Swift. It's not his game. Running him up the middle, Dan Campbell biting off kneecaps, it's not a smart thing to do, right? Now, they right. did it because Jamal Williams was out, and they didn't want to throw the ball because the weather was horrible. Okay, yep. so all of a sudden, after that game, nobody even knows he's hurt, and then he pops up with the, the shoulder injury. They play the next week. Shoulder injury still there, and then what happened? Short week, Thanksgiving, he gets tackled on the sideline, lands on it. All of a sudden, that little injury became a big problem, and that's, how, that, that's what we kind of remember now with DeAndre Swift, and then he's out, he's out, he's out, and he didn't give you much during the fantasy playoffs. But, like, look at what he did before that. Let's just think about this now. I mean, he was, for the first five weeks, seeing 70% of snaps or less. It was awesome. I mean, think about, look, look at this. Yards created per touch in the mm-hmm. NFL. Talk to him. Number one. Talk to Number him. one in the entire NFL. People say he can't run between tackles, all this stuff. I don't, I don't necessarily care if that's true or if it's just narrative. We know he catches the ball. 
We know he's going to get the valuable touches on the goal line, and he's going to catch passes. To me, DeAndre Swift is someone in, in Dynasty and in redraft. I'm going to be exposed. I'm going to be exposed heavily. Talk to him, Adam. Talk to him. That's it, man. DeAndre Swift, RB1. It's going to happen. You heard it right here. Off the line of fantasy football. DeAndre Swift to the moon. To the moon. Led, yeah, led, all, run, led all running backs and targets per game. Second highest target share, 18.4%. 62 catches, which was fourth in the NFL. And he played only 13 games. So he would he, he would have easily smashed if he played a full 17-game season. Um, you know, this this guy, this guy is just awesome. Every time he gets he gets the ball, electric. I remember that one. I remember, I remember when they played the Rams and he caught a he caught a screen pass. The Rams had like an all-out blitz, and then you know the the, the Lions had a perfectly called screen pass. Mm-hmm. He shook like two defenders, broke a couple of tackles, and took it to the house for like 60 plus yards. Those are the yeah. kinds of things that he can do when the ball's in his hands. And it just, you know, it, it, it kind of it kind of angers me when I don't see him on the field enough. And you have like Jamal Williams or like another plotter in there that's that's not going to you know return the same kind of uh, you know value that he is. But you know, you know, again, he was already top. 10. He was already a, a, an RB one in points per game, and if he just plays a full seventeen game season, he's just he's just going to smash. I think he, he'll easily finish in the top five. He stays fully healthy, and they utilize him correctly. So you know, I think DeAndre yeah. Swift is is definitely, uh, and he's only and he's going as the RB nine, and that's, that's basically like in the middle of the second round, or or the top of the second round. I mean, that's yeah. that's a pretty good value for him, and uh, you know, I, I I see him definitely returning returning R, you know RB nine value, uh, and potentially RB five, RB four value um, when it's all uh-huh. done. A hundred percent agree, and I think the the last thing too when you start, we, we'll get into some of the team here. But I still think as much as they've improved, right? The offensive line is very improved. I think it's a good offensive line. Um, they bring in Jamison Williams, who I think is more of a long-term play at receiver. I'm not sure how much of an impact he'll make right away early this season. I do think probably down the stretch he'll start coming along. And you got Hawkinson back healthy. They brought in DJ Chark. As we know, Goff isn't someone to get excited about, but he's he's good enough to make the plays that are in front of him. But they're still not going to win a lot of games this year, guys. I don't I don't foresee them. Competing for the division, I don't see them winning a lot of games. And what do we love about DeAndre Swift? The receiver, garbage time, garbage yeah. time buckets, <laughs> exactly. And they're going to be down. And Jared Goff is going to see nothing in front of him that's wide open, and they're going to he's going to give it to thirty two. And yep. if you look at what made DeAndre Swift so great, it was really his target share before the bye week. I mean, he's looking at anywhere from five targets on the low end all the way up to eleven, ten targets, right? And you get him the ball in space. That's all you want. Those are the type of targets you. Those are the type of touches you want from DeAndre Swift. So, um, given that they're still not going to win a lot of games, I, I want DeAndre Swift everywhere. Yep. Yep. Every I definitely. Favorite. I de- I co-signed to what y'all both said. I, I I do I do like DeAndre a lot. It's just you know when you just see them trotting out Jamal Williams, it's just it gets frustrating. So mm, <laughs> for sure, for sure. And, yeah, imagine trotting out an inferior running back, frustrating somebody. I mean. I, Come on, come on, come on! (laughs) All right, so let's go ahead and touch on some some of the well, the key players for the Lions in in the fantasy space. First off, we got Jared Goff. Right now in redraft, he's going to quarterback twenty nine, so basically free waivers. That's where he should be, unless you need a fill in, and even then, you're probably not looking at him. So he's pretty much undraftable. You're not ever going to play him. (laughs) But the good thing about him this past season, he did have the 
the highest completion percentage of his career at 67.2%. So, uh, you know, for whatever that's worth, if, if somebody likes him out there, then, then boom, you can, you can look, at least look at that number as making it look like he's at least, uh, at least average when it comes to passing the ball and getting it completed. So yeah. So that's somebody that likes him. Hey, <laughs> yeah, t- <laughs> you know, so this is for you. This is for you. Everybody has a fetish, man. And Jared, yeah. Jared Goof might be somebody. So <laughs> yeah. yeah. DeAndre Swift, like you said before, RB9, he's going uh, in redraft 14. So pretty much the beginning of the second round. I think this is a perfect spot for him. Like you said, 16 points per game, which is which was eighth in the league. So basically that's friendly that's RB1 type numbers. He just didn't play enough games, honestly. Um, 62 receptions. 18% target share, which is ridiculous for a running back. So, I mean, I, I want that when when you mix in the opportunity share above 50, he has 57% opportunity share. So, almost any time that he was on the field, that at least half the time he was touching the rock. And that's definitely somebody that you want on your fantasy team. Uh, yards per touch, created per touch, he was first. Yards created, he was fifth in the league. So, I mean, like we said before, just – Magic, magic when the football is in his hand. So, mm. but a little side note: uh, if for the people that play Prize Picks, you know we on the Desti- Destination Debbie Network, we we pub Prize Picks a lot. Prize Picks has added some more totals of uh, props of running backs, you know, wide receiver totals, touchdown totals, rushing totals, and we do have a DeAndre Swift prop. They do have his rushing prop at nine hundred and a half right now. So. If anybody wants to dabble in that, um, you know, there you go. <laughs> I like it. I like yeah. that. Yeah. So what 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 route would you guys go? Would y'all go, would y'all take the over or the under? Ooh, see that's and where and where part. and where is the juice going? Because I don't know where the I don't know where the juice is. Is the juice is it juice to the under or juice to the over? I haven't looked at the juice, but nine hundred for him seems seems a lot because he's never played a full season and Last year was his highest total at 617 yards. So, yeah, they're I mean, they're they're, it, uh, they're betting they're betting on DeAndre Swift, you know, bouncing back in a big way. Um, but but in terms of like 900 rushing yards, I don't I don't I for me I'm gonna take the under and I'm and I think he's gonna do continue to do most of the damage you know through the year in the passing game. And it's okay. It's not. It's I mean it's not it's not an indictment on him to get under 900 rushing yards because he's gonna be doing other stuff. Um, you know, getting getting points and getting yards and you know, and having production in other areas. So I think not. You know, he he may he may get around, let's say, eight hundred and twenty or you know seven hundred and eighty something or something along those lines, and then have maybe the same amount receiving or something like that, and then he'll have around fifteen hundred total yards and maybe double digit touchdowns or something along those lines. I think that's kind of that's more so in his range of outcomes as opposed to having over nine hundred rushing yards, at least for me. Yeah, I think um, for me, I would. So, if you let's say, if you're afraid of the, if you're thinking he's an injury risk guy, and you're not, you don't see him playing 17 games, you probably tap the under for sure. Um, but if if you play 17 games, you're only talking 52 per game average, 17 game season. I, it's not crazy to say that, but I, I think this would be a bet I stay away from. For me, I would be more interested in what is the over under for his uh, receiving yards. And then what are the what's the over under for his touchdowns? Yep, yep. Or hell, so, hell, even total yards for that matter. What are what would true, what are the total true. yards? What and what are, what are total yards? Those would be the ones I'd probably be more interested in, um, because I 
the the Swift loving me it is not going to put any under Swift bets in anywhere just because I don't want to have to root for that. So yeah. <laughs> I, I'm not I'm not going to be doing that. But yeah, yeah, the first game I, I would make, he rips off he rips off a 71 yard touchdown run and you're like oh shit here we oh, go. Oh man, he's going to hit the go. over and I'm going to look crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so the next player is uh, Jamison Williams. Like we said, they they drafted him 12 overall. He's recovering from ACL injury. Right now he's redrafted. He's going to wide receiver 50, which is 118th overall, which is basically the back of the 10th round. I know for me, I wouldn't look to draft him because just because of he's recovering. He might be c- coming off the pup. And then also it takes time for rookie wide receivers to get acclimated into the NFL. They usually, you know, get a, a little better as a, as the season goes on. They usually warm up pretty much at the end of the season. So I feel like this is one of them plays where, you know, you 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 have him start as somebody to watch and you wait for him to progress and hopefully he gets on the field early enough where he can get acclimated. Because if he doesn't get onto the field till like week eight, week nine, are you going to look to play him once we get to playoff time? Is is that when you're somebody's going to be comfortable to play him? No. So. Yeah, he might he might be he might be that player where I, I probably don't touch unless he's able to get on the field pretty early. So some of the guys that are going around him are you know we have Kadarius Tony, Christian Watson, Michael Gallup, Kenny Galladay, and Christian Kirk. Um, and then you can you can add in Tyler Boyd and Russell Gage. Would you take any of those? Like, how, which which of those guys would you take over Jamison Williams? For me, I would take all of them except yeah. Gallup. Um, because we know, I think him and Gallup are kind of like on the same, the same, you know, uh, recovery pattern or recovery trajectory because they both had their surgeries, I think, this year, earlier this year. So they'll be on the multiple, but I would take, I would probably take Kadarius Tony because we saw him in a short, you know, short stint, how he commanded a lot of targets and, you know, and, and had, and had some pretty decent production. Uh, Christian Watson, I know it, it will take, We'll, we'll talk about Green Bay's wide receivers, wide receiver room a little bit later on in the show. But you know, you know, it takes Aaron Rodgers and, and rookie wide receivers a little while to mesh. So we don't know what we're going to expect out of him. But I think he does have some upside, especially from you know from a field stretching perspective. And he may see playing time early on. Um, and then we have Christian Kirk, who's probably going to be the number one receiver in Jacksonville, and he definitely broke the wide receiver market with his contract this offseason, mm-hmm. which much to the chagrin of. A lot of people, but uh, and then you have Tyler Boyd and Russell Gage. Tyler Boyd's and is going to potentially be in a, in a in a high volume passing game, you know, because Cincinnati they did ramp up their passing over the you know the second half of the season and as as the season progressed and into the playoffs. And also Russell Gage in Tampa Bay, he's locked into the number two wide receiver role, catching passes from Tom Brady. So I would de- definitely take those guys over James Williams for sure. Yeah, I think I'm in redraft. I- he he's somebody I I don't really want any parts of. When when I start thinking about this offense, okay, yeah, they're probably going to be trailing a lot. So let's say you wait it out. You get him in the back half, and he is healthy. First of all, he hasn't played in any of the camp, any of the stuff leading up to the season. He has to find himself into an offense that's already been established, right? As a rookie, that, that's something that's tough to do. Charks there if he stays healthy. Amon Ross St. Brown, T.J. Hawkinson. DeAndre Swift, those are all target share competition for him. And then on top of it, when you start thinking, at least for me, Jamison Williams' this home run hitting ability, which is probably what you're going to want. Like when you look at what Jared Goff does, 
I mean, his average yards per attempt last year, his air yards per attempt, uh, 6.4. That puts him at number 33 in the league. So, like, I I don't see the upside this season for Jameson Williams. Now, in Dynasty, if you're telling me, like, you're going to get off of this injury, you're going to let him acclimate, you're going to get a new quarterback, you know, in 23 or 24, I'll, I'll understand all those things. But for this season, the injury coming off the ACL late in the year, this offense, some of the target competition he has, and a guy that doesn't really want to push the ball downfield, I just don't see it. Yep, I definitely agree with that. Uh, next wide receiver, Amara St. Brown. We already talked about him. Yep. We 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 like his 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 prospects for this coming season. He's gonna pretty much gonna be the wide receiver one early on until we see how everything shakes out with Jamison Williams and and DJ Chark. DJ Chark is the next wide receiver. He's going wide receiver sixty six. So he's pretty much free. Um, I mean, we haven't really seen him like boom uh, outside of that sophomore season where he had over a thousand yards. Right. With, uh, outside of that, he hasn't really done too much because of the poor quarterback play he's had to deal with. So, um, yeah. I mean, like I said again, he somebody you can pick up for free. And then the last person, T.J. Hawkinson. I know a lot of people. Still are in love with Hawkinson. I know uh, for me, we're, I mean, I'm still waiting. We're still waiting for this, this this big production to be elite. I know we keep wanting him to be elite, but we haven't seen it. He's ended his last two years on the IR list. Uh, he's finished tight end seven last year, even though he only played, what, 12, 13 games uh, with the 12, 12 fantasy points per game. Uh, the good thing about him, he was first in route participation last year overall for tight ends which is basically routes per per uh, pass play. And then he also finished fifth in, in target share with over 20%. And then he was third in tight ends and air yard share at 25.6%. With I mean, that's, that's a lot of, that's a lot of air yards for, for a tight end for tight sure. End. Uh, yeah. And we know, we know Jared Goff likes, likes targeting the tight end. So right. tight end seven is pretty good in terms of where I see him at just, you know, based on projection of, how the offense is going to flow or whatnot. So do y'all have anything to add to that before we go on to the next team? I, I think what T.J. Hawkinson is this, man. I think it, it's going to depend on what his cost settles in at um, as we get closer and we start doing redraft. If you miss out on tight end, for me, typically in redraft, I like to wait. Now, if he gets down low enough, Maybe. I, I think the thing with Hawkinson was, especially when he was playing earlier in the year, that was a lot of it was before Amon Ross St. Brown broke out. And I think really teams basically started realizing, okay, what do we do? Let's take away 32. Let's take away 88. Right? Let's take these guys away and let's make everybody else beat us. Because this team, what they had last year, Detroit, the, you'll live with Khalif Raymond and all these other guys beating you. Right? You don't want see TJ Hawkinson getting the monster workload. Like let's box let's let's try to box him up. Let let's keep all our eyes on Swift. Now you add Chark, right? Amon Ra's kind of emerge, right? So now maybe there's a little bit of looseness on him that he's not always seen the feature number one workload where maybe he can finally get to that elite season. For me though, I I, I don't think I would want to put drafting him at the current position he's at. Um, I'd rather just go ahead and wait on tight end and redraft. Yeah, middle yeah, and that's a round. Right yeah, that's yeah, at the middle of fifth round. Yeah, yeah, that's that's a little rich for me. So um, I, I'm not. 
at that at that at that point, I'm I'm looking at wide receiver, I'm looking at running back, I'm looking at guys that can that can help me like right away and that can wait on tight end because there's a lot of tight end value. There's usually tight end is pretty deep um from um, from a year to year basis and then it ends up being a dumpster fire by the end of the season because that's just what that's just the nature of the position in fantasy football. You yeah. know, you, every before every year we say, Oh yeah, tight end is deep, let's wait on tight end. You draft a late round tight end and he gets injured. <laughs> and yeah. then the only and the only guys left standing are Travis Kelsey and George Kittle and and and, and Mark Andrews. Those are the only guys that, that are really worth it. Right. Everybody else is just, you know, in and out of lineups and inconsistent and volatile and whatever the case is. So yeah, yeah. I'm I'm cool with waiting as well. So yeah, I, I see I see the op- opportunity there for him maybe to emerge. I just I'm not going to bet on it and redraft. I'd rather get one. I'd rather get one of the studs early or just wait. Yep. 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 All right, Ike. Which team are we going to talk about now? The next team we'll talk about is the Chicago Bears, and uh, they've had a very interesting offseason. Um, pro Football Focus has ranked their offense as 23rd. I'm surprised they were not worse than that. Um, but uh, a couple of moves that they made this offseason, and it's very, very little. Um, they signed the great Byron Pringle from the Kansas City Chiefs, and they signed equal uh, Equinemia St. Brown uh, from the Packers. And uh, they drafted a wide receiver in the third round, Bellis Jones. Um, they definitely reached for him. And then, and, and this is the biggest offseason move they made. They signed seven undrafted free agent wide receivers after the draft. Like that, I mean, if, if you're talking about helping Justin Fields, boy, <laughs> they, 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 are, they are helping out their franchise quarterback, aren't they? Oh, man. <laughs> That's a... Yeah. Uh, <laughs> oh, boy. That, that that was a lot of wording to tell me that we have done nothing in the wide receiver department. Wow, that's bad. <laughs> that is really bad. Hey, but hey, they got a new coach uh, in yeah. Matt Bruce, and they have a new offensive coordinator. So in that regard, things could potentially be looking up, and we don't have the you know the shackles of a Matt Nagy offense with you know training wheels and things of that nature, and, and afraid of you know pushing the ball down the field. So. Um, but, you know, we'll just hop into the biggest questions and it's going to start with their franchise quarterback, Justin Fields. Can he make a jump next season um, that can give us any kind of confidence that he's not a bust? Mm. Gene, I, I, we can go ahead and we, we can start with you because I know you have a lot to say about Justin Fields. Come on, Gene. I want to I want to be optimistic about his. His outlook for the season, um, we did see flashes of him being being good. I mean, there was uh, the five weeks that the last five weeks that he played quarterback before he was pretty much shut down because of injury. He pretty much finished inside. He was pretty much he was quarterback thirteen, so almost a QB one for the games that he actually played out outside of you know the shackles of of Matt Nagy. So like week eight, he finished fifth. Week nine, he finished tenth. Week eleven, the bad. I think that was the was that the Steelers game. I think week eleven where he finished thirtieth as QB. No, uh, Steel, the Steelers game. He was good on the Monday night oh, game. Oh yeah, yeah, you're right. It he, was the, he cooked um, the Steelers that night. It was the Baltimore game that he was super ass. Yeah, Baltimore was that one yeah. before they sat him for a couple. Yeah, of <laughs> yeah. yeah, that one. Yeah, and then week fourteen finished ten, and then week fifteen finished ten. So, I mean, we see it is there. It's just, you know, like we said, he he didn't get any help from the front office. I mean, you add in 25-year-old Bellis Jones, 
Equilateral St. Brown, Brian <laughs> Pringle. Like, this is like, it's just him, Darnell Mooney, and, and, Cole. and Komet. Cole, Cole Komet. Yeah. And right. then if you, when he throws the ball to David Montgomery, and that's it. Um, the offensive line is still not really good. So, I don't, I mean, I don't know, man. I, I just don't, I know he won't finish QB1. I can tell you that for sure. So it just doesn't, it's, it's not looking good for, for my man, Justin. I want him to, I want him to be good, man, but it's just, it's just not, it's not looking bright. Yeah. I mean, there, there's certainly with Justin Fields reason for the season outlook to be very concerned. I mean, you got Darnell Mooney, Cole Komet, David Montgomery, as you alluded to, is the pass catchers we feel comfortable with. And then after that, it's Vilas Jones and Cup, right? Like it's it's gross. So that's scary. Offensive line's not ideal. But I'll say this from the redraft perspective, right? I, similar to tight end, I want to get one of the elite quarterbacks early. Um, not super early, but if they if they fall, you know, if I can get one of those guys, I'll do it. If not, I'll wait, I'll wait, I'll wait. And I want to get an athletic guy that can run like Justin Fields because here's the thing about Justin Fields. When he started playing better from the fantasy perspective, you you saw the rushing aspect come into play. And if guys are not getting open and that offensive line is not great, I think now in his sophomore season, as he's progressed, he'll be able to say, okay, now is my time to take off and run versus I'm sitting here in the pocket and the sitting duck. I think that's something that he's learned and you started to see him grow in um, later in the season. Now, am I sitting here telling you he's going to be, you know, quarterback 12 or higher? No, I, I probably can't confidently project that for the season. But I also think the talent's there, and I think he is a winner is going to find a way to make plays. So if I wait on quarterback, I think he's he's an option I'd be looking to snag late because he's going, man, quarterback 19 pick 136. Yeah, I'll take a couple of these guys later. Yeah, so I, I think um, I think from a fantasy standpoint, I think Justin Fields can finish as a top twelve quarterback because of his rushing upside. Because right. you know, over the last over those last seven games, you know, he had you know rush attempts of you know six, eight, ten, eight, um, and that in, in in his rushing yards, his his basically if you extrapolate his last seven games, that puts him on pace for like eight hundred rushing yards, and that's you know that that's. That's pretty good for a, for a, for a rushing quarterback, and especially if you know, uh, you know for a Konami code quarterback. So I think that there's a path there. Um, not only that is that you know whenever he was asked or whenever he was able to throw the ball down the field, um, he had a pretty high dot or pretty high you know yards per attempt. Mm-hmm. You know, on, especially on play action passes. But his air yards per attempt, he was number two in the NFL at ten point one. You know, he you know he was uh, in his deep ball completion percentage. Uh, he was number twelve in the NFL, so those are two. Those are three. Those are th- those are two things that we can really get behind with Justin Fields: his deep ball, uh, his, you know, him throwing the deep ball, and his rushing upside. And those score fantasy points, right? Those yeah. score a lot of fantasy points. So I think there is a path uh, for him to be a, a really, really good fantasy quarterback this year. Yeah, but that's a good, that's to, a good point. To, to your guys' point, though, it, it is projected to be a very bad offense in real life. Um, but <laughs> they'll be trailing a lot. You know, they they, tra- they, they just traded their best their, their franchise player in uh, Khalil Mack to the Chargers. Um, and you know, again, they reached on a on an old wide receiver in the third round, who's probably not going to help them this year, or maybe at any point in his career, who knows? Um, but <laughs> I, you know, I, 
I'm not as concerned about Justin Fields from a fantasy perspective because I know, to your point, Adam, his talent is there. There's there's talent there. There's a reason why he was, you know, why the Chicago Bears traded up last year um, to draft him, and they gave up some draft picks to you know to, to take him as their franchise guy. So I think there's, you know, there's there's opportunity for him to you know to make a jump and just basically operate faster with a faster clock, take off when he needs to be more decisive with his throws, especially down the field. And he's already, he was already excelling at that. So I think he, if he can just kind of continue on that trajectory and call for more downfield passing, they do have a downfield receiver in Darnell Mooney. Um, I, I think there's, there's an opportunity for Justin Fields. I, I, I love it, man. I, we're on the same page with him. And I'll say this hot take, but I still want Fields over Jalen Hurts in Dynasty. Really? Yep. Yes, sir. Heard it here first. Off the okay. line, fantasy football podcast. Here you go. <laughs> I'm hmm. assuming because of the because of the the uh, projection that Fields has over Hertz currently. I'm yeah. assuming. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I feel like it, it's more stable. I do feel like the talent in rushing is still there with Fields. I think that while this season may not, he may. I like. I, I don't project him to be better than Hertz this season. But we're talking long term dynasty. Yeah, I still want Fields. Okay. But, I mean, look, if if Hertz if Hertz sits the bed this year and then. The Eagles are just completely out on them. They have that first round pick from the Saints. They have two. Of, they have two of them. They yeah, have two first. Exactly. They'll have two first rounders. And, and if the Saints are dog shit, like a lot of people are projecting that they will be, that's going to be a pretty high pick in a deep quarterback class. So that that yeah. is not that is not a hot take. That's not as much of a hot take as as we're led to believe. So I, I it, exactly. And, and you're right, a hundred percent, because Philly is giving him the opportunity. To succeed, he has all the weapons. AJ Brown, like if it, if it works, it's going to be great, and they're going to move forward with him. But mm-hmm. like you said, if he shits the bed and it doesn't pan out, they've got a backfill of draft picks to go a different direction in quarterback. So um, mm-hmm. there, there's it's the uncertainty with Fields that would be the reason, or with the, I'm sorry, with Hurts that would be the reason I would choose Fields. Okay, yeah. So let's go ahead and just get into the key players. We did already touch on Justin Fields just a little bit. You know, he did get better as he played a little bit more down the stretch. Um, and, you know, as we touched on, there was a lot of shackles in, you know, in Matt Nagy's offense and the play calling was basically elementary level. Just hand the ball off, no creativity, no moving, no, no motion, no nothing. I think they were one, I think they were one of the worst teams in the NFL when it, when it came to pre-snap motion and, and moving and moving people around pre-snap. Like they were one of the worst teams, you know, from a pre-snap perspective. And I think I, I'll have to find that um, stat specifically, but it, they they were near the bottom of the league. Justin Fields did have ten interceptions and twelve fumbles. did did lose five of them. So that's one thing that he needs to clean up a little bit more um, in his sophomore year, early in the season, especially early in the season when he just when he was just thrusted out there. You did see him, you know, reacting a little slow to you know to to pressure because their offensive line was not good at all. He was under a lot of pressure. But again, as he got as he got more and more experience, he was able to kind of take off a little bit more and and make a lot you know a lot more decisive a lot more decisive moves. Um, you know, week eight, you know, his, you know, his, his, again, his last five games, he averaged you know he was he was a quarterback thirteen. You know, week eight, he was you know the top five quarterback. Week nine, he was tenth. Week eleven, thirtieth, that was bad. Week fourteen, tenth. Week fifteen, tenth. So, I. As we touched on, there's a, there's some upside um, to Justin Fields, and just going to the the running back room, 
We do have David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert. David Montgomery is currently going off the board as the RB17. That's basically 34th overall. So you, it's closer to the end of the third round, close to the beginning of the fourth round. And last year, he finished as the RB12 at 15 points per game, but he did have his lowest rush yards and attempts. He uh, he was off to a pretty good start until he hurt his ankle and he missed a couple of games. Um, but in terms of being him being drafted as the RB17, do you think you do you guys think that's appropriate for him, or do you do you see yourself um, coming away with a lot of David Montgomery this year in redraft? I'm, I'm just kind of curious to get you guys' thoughts on you know where you see uh, David Montgomery's outlook. I think that's a. I think that's a about the range. I mean, he's going in front of uh, Zeke, Antonio Gibson, Jacobs, Brees Hall, Etienne. Uh, J.K. Dobbins. I mean, it's kind of tough to. I, I don't know if y'all if if some of those or all those running backs you went over, David Montgomery, but a lot of them. Yeah, <laughs> a lot of. Them. I mean, for me, I, I'll take I'll take all of them except Jacobs, probably. Yeah, J- Jacobs. I, I think him and Jacobs are about even. Um, yeah, I, I, I'm well, taking Brees Hall over him. Uh, even with the injury, I'm taking J.K. Dobbins over him. Um, I, I think Montgomery's a safe play, but yeah. like in redraft, especially when I get later, I'm shooting for more of the upside players later. Yeah. So yeah, it's uh, this. Keep in mind, this ADP is early. Seventeen is cool, but I mean, like we said, some of these running backs are going to go once we get closer and closer to the season. Some of these running backs are going to go in front of them naturally. So. Um, I mean, it's cool right now, but yeah, like you said, I'll take pretty much all all those that I just rounded off except except Jacobs. So, yeah, I would I would probably take Josh Jacobs over him because his offense is projected to be better. Um, mm, absolutely, okay. be better too. They'll, more they'll be more opportunities. Yeah, exactly. There'll be more scoring opportunities. Um, outside of that, I think yeah, I would probably take a lot of these guys over Montgomery. I mean, I do like Montgomery a lot as a player. Actually, I probably yeah. wouldn't take Zeke over him because. Um, yeah, I would probably take Montgomery over Zeke because David Montgomery does not have a Tony Pollard in the backfield, or in in his in his. Yeah. So <laughs> he doesn't yeah. have a Tony Pollard to com- to compete with. Although Khalil Herbert, who's the next guy in the backfield, we can talk about. He's going at RB fifty six, hundred and seventy six overall. That's basically free. Um, you know the new the new offensive coordinator was Green Bay. You know Green Bay's quarterback coach, and he might want to you know potentially give him more work than last year. There was a two-back system in Green Bay. They did they did operate at a pretty slow pace, the slowest pace in the league, and that was a large part because of that. Um, but when David Montgomery and Khalil Herbert were healthy, it was basically no contest when it comes to, when it came to the touches. Two sixty-seven yep. to thirty. So they, you know, that, again, that was the old regime. So we'll see if it, uh, you know, it, we'll see if they kind of meet in the middle. A little bit from you know from a you know from a playing time perspective, fifty five, forty five, sixty forty, something along those lines. So then um, onto the receiver room, we're going to lead with Darnell Mooney. He was a second year breakout, had over a thousand yards, four touchdowns, finished as the wide receiver twenty seven, had about thirteen fantasy points per game, and he had a hundred and forty targets, um, even with Allen Robinson on the field. Um, well, in and out, in and out of the lineup. And now Allen Robinson's gone. And he had a 26.7% target share when with Allen Robinson. So 
you know, he's, you know, again, they're, they're the Bears' best receiver over the last several years is now, is now um, in, now in LA Ram. There is a clear path for him to be the unquestioned number one. And 150 targets, over 150 targets is not out of the realm of possibility for, uh, for Darnell Mooney. He can get open with ease, seventh in target separation with, with almost two yards. So he, he knows how to, he knows how to beat his man and he's, very, you know, very fast down the field. I think he ran a four three five coming out of college, uh, four three, you know, four three, some, something along those lines. He was you know, a speed guy too. So um, he is going to be. That's that's who the, the offense is going to run run through. It's going to be run, you know, running through Darnell Mooney. They liked, and then we saw a little bit. You know, they were kind of moving him around too. You know, they put him in on. You know, had they had him running some end arounds. They had him in motion. They had him in the slot. They had him on the outside. They had him. They moved him all over the place because he was, a, you know, effectively their best receiver. And so I, I think Darnell Mooney, you know, going currently a wide receiver twenty nine. Um, he, I, I plan on having a lot of Darnell Mooney this year in redraft. I don't know about you guys, but I'm pretty high on Darnell Mooney. Yeah, especially we're gonna have to take him in redraft. Um, he offers the upside late. Where you're gonna get him? Like I'm shooting for upside, and like opposite of what we talked about with Jamison Williams, I think he has the same traits, but he's healthy. He's the clear alpha. There's not a lot of target competition, and like we kind of hit on earlier, I expect this offense to be a little more creative and realize, okay, Darnell Moody's probably gonna see a lot of really strong coverage. How do we manufacture touches for him? Like they're gonna get him the ball, right? And if I'm drafting him at wide receiver 29. Yeah, that's what I want to do if I'm drafting outside of the top 24 receivers is give me a guy that has the long field stretching ability and also has a guy like Fields that can hit him deep. So um, all the reasons I don't like Jameson Williams, I love Darnell Mooney. Yeah. Um, I mean, right now he's going at a perfect spot. I mean, the, pretty much the tail end of the seventh, that's it's perfect. Um, I have I have nothing else to add to that. I, 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 I agree with everything you said. He's – even in a bad offense, he is the number one. One hundred and forty targets. If you can get a number year. one receiver that's potentially on track to get one hundred and fifty plus targets in the seventh round, sign me up. Sign yeah. me up. Yeah. And you know the rest of the receiver room, we don't really need to touch on them. But Cole Komet is, um, you know, the next the next guy up. Currently going at tight end seventeen. That's one hundred twenty fifth overall. So that's basically free at the end of drafts. Um, he was the, the, the number two target guy on this offense. Um, he did have a pretty a pretty decent year from a tight end perspective, sixty for six hundred and twelve yards. But the biggest kicker is no touchdowns. Most yeah. targets without a touchdown with ninety three in NFL history uh, without a touchdown. And, so, and that's why for me, like you know, when we talk about Hawkinson, right? We're talking about the division. We we go through team to team. In the middle rounds, like I don't want to use a premium pick on TJ Hawkinson if I don't feel he's elite. Where Yep. Like to me, it'd be crazy not to expect positive touchdown regression for Cole Komet. I mean, the targets should even go higher than what they were last year. Robinson's out of town, and I think he's going to be a safety net for Justin Fields. I think he's a big body that could that he should end up with more touchdowns than you saw last year for sure. Um, now, listen, is he going to be this elite, high ceiling, you know, athletic offensive player? Maybe not, but. Is it possible that he cracks into the back half of tight end one? And you you don't spend anything on him. Yeah, so that's where I think Cole Komet. If you if you're missing out on the elite ones, he'd be someone I'd be intrigued in. You know, grabbing later, almost free. Yeah, yeah, he's going 
middle of the 11th round. So sign me up for that. I'm a proponent of waiting on tight end also. So I love waiting on tight ends. Yeah. Yeah. I, I love doing that. So. Yeah, so you guys have anything else to add? That concludes uh, the Chicago Bears, thankfully. Uh, uh, <laughs> <laughs> Pass catching yeah. room and, and, and offense as a whole. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have nothing else to add. Let's, you know, let's go ahead and talk let's about. Move on. Yeah. Yeah, let's talk about the Packers, man. So, okay. PFF had them ranked eighth last year, which was, uh, you know, pretty good for an uh, offense that was pretty consolidated. Um, you know, we saw Aaron Rodgers. He resigned fifty million per year, uh, basically one year deals for the last, uh, for three years. So this might be his last year. We don't know. It could be another another year before he. Who knows with with that guy? So uh, they traded Devontae Adams for a first and second round pick, and they used one of those picks on Christian Watson in the second round, which is the highest wide receiver the Packers have have drafted in Rodgers' time with the with the uh, Packers, which is, you know, kind of criminal when you think about it. As long as he's been there, they haven't gotten him a, a first-round wide receiver. So my first question for the group is, who is the wide receiver one for the Packers? We just, we just really uh, recently just saw that Adam Lazard is not showing up to mentor OTAs because he has not signed his tender. So... Who is the number one? Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna say it's Alan Lazard. Um, <laughs> I, I believe Aaron Rodgers recently, as we're recording this, just said um, he's been our dirty guy, our dirty work guy for most of the career here. Now he's getting an opportunity to be a number one receiver. I'm not worried about him at all stepping into that role. Uh, I think Christian Watson, them drafting him, should help him. I just you know, a small school guy coming in and in his rookie season with a guy who's as uh, fickle and picky as Aaron Rodgers. I don't know that he steps in as the number one. And outside of that, I can't project anyone ahead of Alan Lazard. Yeah, I mean, I, I think by default, um, and only by default, it's Alan Lazard because I, I think I think when it's all said and done, though, um, I don't I don't think this I don't think it remains that way. I think either. And call me crazy, I think either Christian Watson emerges as the number one receiver, because we'll talk about all their pass catchers as a whole um, later on, the number one wide receiver, or we can talk, or we're forgetting about Sammy Watkins. Sammy Watkins, I mean, they signed they signed Sammy Watkins uh, for a reason. I think Aaron Rodgers, I want to say Aaron Rodgers lobbied to have Sammy Watkins signed, if I'm not mistaken. There was there was some there was some talk for, you know, from Aaron Rodgers about having Sammy Watkins signed, so we're we're kind of sleeping on him, and they have a, a whole bunch of other guys as well. I mean, obviously they have his 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 good buddy Randall Cobb, they have Amari Rodgers who they drafted in the third round. So there's a bunch of different guys that could, um, you know, I'm not saying that they, each of them can emerge as the number one, but um, by default right now it's Alan Lazard, and I, I I feel like just things will. Things will be very, very fluid throughout the season. You know, people want to automatically assume that you know Alan Lazard is is just going to be the number one. I mean, they just got they have to be they have to be careful with that. Just making those 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 basic assumptions. So that's all. Sammy Sammy Watkins. It he's there. He's he signed he signed for a reason. I'm just saying. I, I'm not I saying think that he's going to be like be a world beater. But I mean, he was he was signed for a reason. He was signed for a reason. I mean, hell, 
we're gonna we're gonna see three wide receiver sets this fall with Alan Lazard, Sammy Watkins, and maybe just Randall Cobb in the slot to just start the season off. And then by the end of the season, that's probably gonna change. That's probably yeah. gonna change. So I, I'm with you on that point, and I think there, there's a couple things I don't want to you know take the whole team thing away here um, piece by piece, but no. I I would be very cautious about having any relying heavily on any of these receivers uh, from a redraft perspective, number one, first and foremost. And I think I would be very cautious about where you're taking Aaron Rodgers in redraft. And also, like, I, I personally believe this. If he is able to sustain being a quarterback one this season, he he is he is the truth. He is the absolute truth because you are moving. You're you're losing Devontae Adams. You lose MVS. Alan Lazard, who's been a wide receiver two or three at best, now has to step into an alpha role. Um, you don't have a safety net anywhere on the field, and you have young guys who you're trying to jump in and earn target share and trust in Aaron Rodgers, and and they're they're trying to get ahead of guys like Ike's mentioning Sammy Watkins, who's not, had a hard time staying on team. So it's this wide receiver room is bad. The tight end room is not better. I'm very, very, very curious about how this team ends up uh, fantasy and in real life, guys. Yeah. Yeah. And which leads me to my next question is who can you trust in this offense? Wow. I'll, I'll start with this one. The only guy that I feel like that you can trust, like with everything that you have, is Aaron Jones. That is the only guy that that you can that you can trust in this offense you know he's he's his his role his role is secured um you know without Devontae Adams and over the last couple of years over the last seven in, in I think six or seven games he's averaged around seven, 26 fantasy points per game I'm, I'm sure that's 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 been floating around everywhere but it's it's still relevant because that that'd be number one amongst all players you know with with no Devontae Adams in the fold now um he Aaron Jones is just awesome. He's he has a his breakaway ability, double digit touchdowns each of the last three years, had 10 touchdowns in 15 games this past year, close to 1,200 total yards. Um, you know, he's top 10 in red zone touches, you know, basically the top 10 in fantasy points per game. Um, you know, there's there's basically if if he's if he stays healthy for a full season, I think um, now he's gonna he was uh, hell, he was the second, he was the second highest targeted player. On the Packers. <laughs> now, granted, you know Devontae Adams had 169, and he only had 65. That was that was number two. But there is a conceivable path that Aaron Jones ends up being the top targeted player on the team because of how they're because of how he's being used in the in the, in the passing game. Top 15 across the board amongst running backs in all advanced receiving metrics, according to PlayerProfiler.com. Top fifteen in every target share, you know, routes, you know, yards per route run, um, route participation, all that, all these, all these metrics. He's at least a top fifteen. So he, his role is his role is secured, even even with you know AJ Dillon emerging as a pretty a pretty good running back in, in and of himself. Um, as we know in fantasy, targets are much more valuable than carries. At least three times as valuable than carries, and that's where Aaron Jones is going to be making a lot of his money uh, and, and making. And making you know, creating a lot of his fantasy points um, this 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 fall. So I think Aaron Jones, far and away, is the only guy that you can trust in this offense. Yeah, I, I think if there's a guy you can trust in this offense, it's definitely uh, Aaron Jones. Um, 
I, I think from the standpoint of, you know, Green Bay should probably look to rely on the ground a little more. Aaron Jones has touchdown upside, too. That I think sometimes is miss. It's not talked about enough. I think his, his touchdown upside is very high. My, my concern, I guess, with Aaron Jones would be his age and uh, being able to handle, you know, a lot of touches again this season. But um, if I'm going to bet on anyone on this offense in, from redraft, it's it's easily Aaron Jones. Yeah, uh, I definitely co-signed that. I mean, he was second on the team last year in targets with six, just under 70. And then you had Devontae that had 100 more targets than he did. So <laughs> I think it will be asking a lot from – uh, you know, for the whole offense to, you know, just to replace those targets and then do and then do, uh, you know, a, at least a decent job in terms of replicating that production, in some kind of sort. Uh, you know, Aaron Jones, like we said, the last three years, he's finished with double digit touchdowns. Uh, you know, he's had well over 200 yards in these last three years, uh, 200, well over 200 uh, touches in these last three years also. So I don't think that's going to slow down any. I, I believe that they'll. And now. Let me go back. And I believe you can kind of trust A.J. Dillon a little bit because I think with everything that we've said about this potential of this offense, you know, trying to rely on a bunch of just guys at wide receiver position, why not rely on your running backs that that averaged five yards per carry between both of them? So and then, I mean, we're probably going to see Aaron Jones line up on a wide receiver like he did late last year. And we've seen what he can do with that. So uh, I I believe that we can trust both of them, honestly. And real, yeah. real quick, real quick, Adam, I'll, I, I'm gonna I'm gonna push back a little bit on the on the not being able to the handle age, yeah, on the age and not being able to handle his 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 age 27. He's 27, so his age 27 is not your typical 27 year old running back, especially a guy that has a lot of, especially a guy that has tread a lot of tread on his tires. He does not have a lot of tread on his tires. He, he only for his career, he's only averaging 164 rush attempts you know per season uh, that's yep. that's not that much um and he's sure. being, and he's being used a lot in the pa- a lot more in the passing game and that as we know that that can potentially extend um you know a running back like his uh career a little bit longer especially you know he's not he's not you know too big he's only five nine about 200 pounds so he's not a huge running back so him being utilized in the passing game you, you being utilized in the slot you know you utilized out wide you know just running routes not taking the you know the, the punishment. I think they're going to use a lot of AJ Dillon in that regard, running him up the middle, running him off tackle, and just maybe having Aaron Jones, you know, not not get not get nearly as many rush attempts, and that'll just extend his career a little bit more. So I think um, you know with Aaron Jones's potential in the passing game, I think he'll he'll still be you know very very productive. Yeah, I I, I totally agree that. Um, they're going to try to work AJ Dillon and more take some of the the in between tackle touches, so it's not just him grinding all the way through the middle and try to get him some you know touches in space. And I think they're going to utilize him on the goal line a lot, which is all all what you want in fantasy. Just and I agree with you from the the miles per se, per se right? He he's not had the average workload running back um, or, or workload of a running back at twenty seven, but I do think when you get to that age, um, it's something to be cautious of. I'm not saying I'm not investing in him in redraft, but there is there is that obvious, uh, especially if they inc- increase his workload. You you got to be a little cognizant of it. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. All right, let's go ahead and talk about some of these uh, key players on the in the fantasy perspective. First off, Aaron Rodgers, QB eleven, eighty eight overall, ninth round. 
back-to-back MVP seasons for Aaron Rodgers. But he has no Devontae Adams. Um, we saw last year that he was uh, number one in air yards average at 8.3, mm. you know, fifth in fantasy points per drop back, third in red zone attempts, 13th in pass, pass plays per game. I mean, we're looking, we're projecting that this offense is probably going to dial it back a little bit um, in terms of, you know, pass plays per game because of the lack of weapons. I mean, we already saw this offense last place in play and pace of play. But, I mean, the offensive coordinator Hackett is now in Denver. But also got to keep in mind that Hackett wasn't the one calling the plays. It was LaFleur that was calling the plays. So they could potentially still be slow again. We don't know. So um, 11, I mean, like you said, Adam, I don't know if I want to take him. I don't know if I want to draft Aaron Rodgers, man, honestly. I know he's going – Around the range where you want to look to get a quarterback, but I don't know if I want him on my team, honestly. So yeah, I, I don't. Um, I'll give you a stat, uh, guys. Everybody listening, I want you to think about this now. The NFL has a lot of turnover, especially some of these bad teams, right? Like you, you think about um, maybe Jacksonville or some of these teams that are really bad. They, they, like who are the receivers to speak of? Most vacated targets in the NFL. Green Bay Packers are at almost 60% target percentage in vacated receiving yards, 63%, which by far and away leads the NFL. So, I mean, listen, I think Aaron Rodgers is a great quarterback, but I, I, I don't think that there's enough weight given to how much Devontae Adams has meant to this offense. Not saying that Aaron Rodgers isn't capable of still throwing the football well, but 170 targets last year, 150 targets the year before that. And, and, and Alan Lazard, who was on this team last year, is supposed to step into the number one role. Like, this guy is going to be the GOAT in my eyes if he is a fantasy superstar this year. I, I truly believe that. <laughs> unless he throws a bunch of those touchdowns to Aaron Jones. <laughs> yeah, unless, <laughs> unless 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 Ike's right and Aaron Jones is like Christian McCaffrey from you know 2019, hey. I can't see it. I mean, nope. shoot, outside of last year, the two previous years, he was he finished at RB three and RB four. So yeah, the potential is definitely there for him. Yes, we'll, I, I, it's just with Aaron, with Aaron Rodgers, man. Gosh, it's not that is not a bet I want to make as a quarterback one and redraft. No, no, no thank you. Ninth, yeah. ninth round, and there, yeah, there's there's much better options. Around that range, you'll probably get a guy that can run and throw. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Rodgers gives you nothing in the in the in the, in the run game, um, and he's he's good. He's his touchdown rate. He has an absurd touchdown rate for his career. That's basically it. And the guy that scores all the touchdowns is not in town anymore. So I'm yeah. I'm yeah. Again, I'm not betting on that. I know he has 82 touchdowns over his last two years, but yeah, I'm I'm not going to. Uh, I'll let someone else draft him every single yeah. time. Yeah. Yep. All right. The backfield, Aaron Jones with RB13 going 25th overall. So basically the beginning of the third round. Oh my uh, God. I mean, yeah. We've I mean, we pretty much ran, <laughs> ran down all his all his stats, top 10 and pretty much everything. Uh we're seeing players like Javante Williams going ahead of him, Nick Chubb, Leonard Aaron Jones. Burnett. Aaron Jones. Uh behind him, we got AJ Brown, Mike Evans. Aaron Jones. 
Aaron Jones. <laughs> Saquon Barkley. Aaron Jones. Keenan Allen. So. Aaron Jones. <laughs> All right. I, how, how are you taking uh, Aaron Jones overall? Are we are, are we looking to take him before Mark Mark? And- I mean, they have Mark Andrews going twentieth overall. Josh Allen nineteenth. Debo eighteenth. Like, how, how are him, we looking? I take him ahead of Debo Samuel. Debo okay. Samuel's overdrafted. I would take him okay. in the middle of the second round. Like, okay. So those, so, of, those of you right now, I'm gonna make an, I'm gonna make a declaration right now. All right. I am targeting Aaron Jones in every one of my drafts, every one of my redraft leagues in the second round. So mm. if, you, if if I'm on the clock in the second round, it doesn't matter where it is. I'm drafting Aaron Jones. So if you want if you want Aaron Jones this year, if you're high on Aaron Jones this year, you're gonna have to pry him from my cold dead hands. <laughs> All right, Point so question for about the uh, real quick. Since y'all are both high on him, DeAndre Swift or Aaron Jones? If Aaron you're Jones. on the clock, Swift. Oh, okay. We split. I'm Aaron Jones. Yeah, we go. I'll go Swift. I'll say this. Um, I I love the confidence. By the love way. them and both. I think, I, I think that both. I think that Aaron Jones has the opportunity to smash. I won't I won't fight Ike on that. I'll say this though. Thinking of it as a strategic thing. I'm not in as many redraft leagues, but I'm still in, you know, a few high stake ones, some work leagues. I do, I do my redraft, you know, still got to do the redraft. <laughs> I'll say this. If you put me in this one of these early spots, right? So I'm going to get one of my stud RBs early. And knowing this currently, like Aaron Jones to me, I, I'll, instead of waiting for him in the third, I'll take him in the back end of the second every time if he's there. If yeah. I'm positioned in the back half, uh, I'm going to be getting either in the late first or early second DeAndre Swift. So I think probably based on where I'm drafting, I'm going to end up with one of these guys on every single one of those teams. Okay, that's a good point. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah, a good so point. Good strategy. Let's say if you're, you know, you're you have the you have the the 103 right, and then you know the the turn is like pick 22 and then 27 pick 22 yeah. is probably going to be Aaron Jones, right? Exactly, exactly so, right, exactly right. I'm going to get my stud at three, whatever yeah. the best one available left of the those is. I'm going to get Jones there and take the rest and stride from there. And if I have pick 11, depending on who's there, I'll either just take Swift now or get him on the reverse turn. So, yeah, you know, I'll take, okay. I'll take, uh, I, I would even go as far as like if you're, if you're like number 12 and you know, if you have, you have 12 and 13, why not take Swift and then take Jones back to back? I'm, not- I'm a, I'm an RB truther, especially in yeah. redraft. So, uh, yeah, I could totally, especially if it's, if you're following the board and you're seeing that it's getting thin at that position, I have no problem. Yeah. Now, now, that, now, that, now granted, two. if if I am at number twelve, and let's say Jamar Chase is gone, um, Justin Jefferson's gone, then one of those guys, I, I would have to split the difference on one of those guys. I would have to take, I would have to take ch- either Chase, Chase or Jefferson at twelve, and then either Swift or, or, or Jones, Jones. At thirteen. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yep. So. Yep. Okay. I like that. All right. AJ Dillon, RB thirty. 70th overall, we saw him. He also, in this backfield, he also had over 1,000 yards. He had 1,116 total yards, seven touchdowns, and he played every game. 98 percentile burst and speed score. He was 16th in yards created, 17th in per touch, 5th in expected points at, per attempt, no, 9th in uh, production, pre- uh, uh, production premium. I mean, t- I, whatever I, I know, people don't like the situation of the split, but I mean, Aaron, AJ John, uh, Dylan is is a monster, man. People don't want to tackle him. Don't yeah. you don't want to tackle him? 
especially when it gets cold outside. So, and we saw that. That's why. That's why that he. That's why he ran the ball more than uh, Aaron Jones later half of the season. Um, if you go to Price Picks, you can see his over under right now is nine nine hundred and a half rush yards. I think that's a. I, I mean, I think that's a really good number based on everything that we've discussed in terms of how we think this offense is going to go. So, um, I mean, I, I like the spot for 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 uh, for AJ Dillon. You know, he's going was at the middle of the sixth. The towards the end of the sixth round, I mean, I think that's a good yeah. spot. That's a aggressive spot for him, um, knowing that he's going to get the touches. Yeah, and and to further confirm that there was basically, I mean, I know he was running more than um, Aaron Jones down the stretch, but if you really shake things out, it's basically an even split. <laughs> AJ Dillon had eight hundred and three rushing yards, and Aaron Jones had seven ninety nine. So they basically had the same amount of rushing yards. Aaron yeah. Jones was just, was just a little bit better on a per per touch basis or per carry basis. But yeah, they that they, they they definitely leaned a lot on AJ Dillon down the stretch, and you know he was he was a monster. He was breaking a lot of tackles. He was just running through defenders, and yeah, he, he he's a he's a really good value um, in in the in the sixth round because he's he has his own standalone value you know, from from a you know a yardage you know carries potential you know goal line usage um, perspective, especially in the sixth seventh round. So. Yeah, I think at that point too, um, it's one of those things where if if Aaron Jones is playing and stays healthy all seventeen games, the upside for AJ Dillon may not come to fruition. Um, mm-hmm. I, I'm not a handcuff guy, so I'm not going to ha- ever have probably Aaron Jones and then take AJ Dillon. But yeah, you'll be betting exactly. You're betting you're betting against your upside. And he, here's the thing, though. If you do think, if you are worried about Aaron Jones' touch count and age, the upside that A.J. Dillon possesses if there's an Aaron Jones injury, um, we have to be honest, it's given what we talked about with the pass catching, I mean, it is, it's league winning. Like, that's not something I'm going to sit here and say, like, okay, A.J. Dillon's going to be the winner of all the leagues in fantasy. I'm not saying that, but we have to be honest. If, if something happens to Aaron Jones, in this offense, AJ Dillon possesses insane upside for where you're going to draft him and redraft. So understand that there's insane upside if it all breaks right. But if Aaron Jones stays healthy, you could be looking at a middle of the road anchor, so to speak, on your team that's not really winning you weeks. So yeah. that's kind of the polarizing difference when you draft a guy like him. Yep. Yeah. But keep in mind that AJ Dillon did also catch passes too. So um, he does have that upside when it comes to receptions. Also, it's just it will be tricky trying to juggle who trying to juggle if you want to spend, you know, the what the end of the end seventh, of the sixth round, seventh yeah. round draft pick on a basically a handcuff. Right, he had a high end ninety-two percent catch rate. It's crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. All right, wide receiver room, uh, Adam. Alan Rizard, you know, 53rd, 123 overall. So uh, beginning of the 11th. I mean, we talked about it. We, we just don't know about this wide receiver room. Uh, A de facto number one receiver in the 11th round. I mean, I know we, I know we said we're not, we, we do have to be careful, but if, if, if you've already filled out a lot of your roster at that point, all of your yeah. starters, your quarterback, I mean, he, there's, there's worse picks to make. 
right? Yeah, I mean, it's, definitely. It's near, the, it's near the end of your draft. It's closer to, to your picking your defense territory. I, I think this is a, 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 a an okay spot for him, although I don't see this lasting, um, especially if he reports to minicamp. He starts, you know, they start putting the pads on and start, you know, more news starts coming out about him. Um, I think he'll vault up the, you know, vault up, you know, yeah. uh, this summer um, over the next couple of months, and he he might be he might creep into the, let's say ninth round, maybe eighth round, and maybe even higher. Who knows? Um, yeah. yeah, I see, I see a, I see, a, I see him climbing for sure. Yeah. So right now, I think he's going at a pretty decent spot um, for where for for at least for for the for the production and the and the value that you're going to get in return, at least for right yeah. now. As we look at it in June, it's only June seventh. But you know, yeah, I, th- I think I think it makes sense at this spot too. I mean, if you're like me and in redraft, I'm gonna be this heavy RB guy. So you know, this late, there's nothing wrong with taking a a safe, surefire, you know, wide receiver two three type this late. A lot of times, I'll end up taking the young or tantalizing upside wide receivers and just hope I'm hitting something crazy. And if I don't, I'll drop them in this range. But um, understanding that Alan Lazard is going to have a role for at least a month, if not longer. Um, I have no problem taking him here. Yeah. And per, and per underdog ADP right now, he's currently going as a wide receiver 45. And that's yeah, the so eighth that, round. Yeah. So, okay. so, yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. So that, you know, underdog is a little more aggressive since that's best ball. So that makes sense. Yeah. Yeah, plus, yeah. he's plus he's attached to A Rod, and, you know, A Rod throws the ball to the person that he trusts the most. So, that that definitely makes sense. So as we get closer, like you said, he should get the A Rod tax and start creeping up for the sure. A Rod tax for sure. Yeah, love that. <laughs> I love that. Uh, Christian Watson. He's actually going before him um, in redraft ADP. He's going at forty seven. Mm. Uh, that's too aggressive for me, honestly. Um, yeah. I, I don't. I don't know what they're going to do with them, honestly. And like I said before, Ricky wide receivers usually don't come on early. They usually if they if they once they get acclimated, it's usually later in the year. Um, and he, and like we said, like we said in pre-draft, you no, know, you no know, pre-NFL draft, he's a really raw. Even the little videos that we've seen of him in the Packer uniform, he looks really raw just running the route. So uh, I, I can't. I don't think I'm drafting him. It'd be somebody I had to pick up off the waivers at some point. Honestly, I have to he'll, see him before I do it. He'll be an MVS replacement. At at yeah. that worst, this this yeah. year, yes. yeah, yep, that's probably yeah. the role he's looking at. And even yeah. then, that's somebody that you that's in and out of waivers are anyway. So yeah, absolutely. Uh, Randall Cobb, mm, he's free. Watson uh, Watkins, he's going to be free. Uh, Robert Tunyon, the start probably the starting tight end if he's recovered from his ACL injury, he's going to be free. Uh, Decora, if he's going to be starting, he's going to be free. So, but I'm, Didn't I don't they both know tear their ACLs. Oh, did Decora get hurt also? I know Tanya tore it. I didn't know Tanya, yeah. Tanya for sure tore Tanya, it. But I think yeah. Decora tore, tore his early in this. Maybe it was 2020 that he tore his ACL. I don't it know. It was 2020 because he played last year. He yeah, played, played in the playoffs. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Okay. So, yeah, either one. Yeah. I, I don't think I'm touching either one of those either. So, yeah. no, thanks. Pretty much the, <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much the Packers. So, Ike, let's go ahead and finish it off. All right, let's go ahead and wrap this thing up with the Minnesota Vikings. Uh, they do have a new head coach, uh, Kevin O'Connell, coming over from the Rams. He definitely wants to modernize uh, this this offense, basically the Rams north. 
Rams Minneapolis edition. Um, and you know what? We can get, we can get into it. I mean, the biggest some of the biggest the biggest question we have for this offense is can they be uh, a top ten offense? Because they, they they're already pretty fast. They were already playing at a, in a pretty uh, fast pace, um, a pretty high clip. Um, you know, throwing the ball a lot, high pass rate. Um, you know, they they were in a lot of a lot of good uh, scoring positions in 2021. So, um, can this offense be continue to be top ten? I mean, they they'll have. They, I think they re up. Didn't they re up Kirk Cousins this off season? Yeah, like one another, more year. One more year. For, for another for another year because there was speculation yeah. that he was potentially going to get traded to Carolina or maybe be an option for Denver prior to Russell Wilson, um, but they re-upped him. So, what do you guys make of uh, of this offense? I mean, we they they have two superstar players who we'll get to in a second, but I'm just uh, I'm curious to get you guys' thoughts. Man, this is this is a good one. Um, I think at this point. We we know what Justin Jefferson is, uh, regardless of what happens. Fucking awesome, yeah. He, he's <laughs> he is a stud. He's a bona fide stud. Uh, I'm, there's not much else to cover with him. I don't care if you give him some double coverage. He he's gonna be a stud. Even if Adam Thielen, um, you know, cliffs, which we kind of expected last year and didn't necessarily happen. I don't care. Like Justin Jefferson is gonna be a stud, right? Dalvin Cook, I think, is where it gets interesting. Similar to the Aaron Jones discussion, with his age, like, but the difference with him would be all the miles and the injury history that we've already seen with him. He has a right. lot of tread. Absolutely. Yeah. A lot of tread. His rookie season, torn ACL last year, in and out of the lineup. He, he, he's had this knack for being injured, although recently I feel like he's not necessarily thought of as an injury-prone back. He's had a lot of time in and out of the lineup. Now, we do know if he's playing and if he's healthy, he's going to get the ball as much as he could possibly handle. A metric fuck ton. I mean, this guy is going to get the rock. The question Period. for me, though, the question for me though is: Okay, first month of the season, yeah, he's probably going to be smashing in redraft. But is he going to be able to hold up, taking all those that that workload all the way through the season? I don't know, man. Fourth off the board. I don't think I, I don't think I'm into it, to be honest with you. I think it's gonna be I think the offense is gonna be a top ten offense. We already know that the defense they wanna re, uh revamp the defense. They tried to do it. I don't think it's still not gonna be good. Last year wasn't good, and you saw how much they had to be on the field, how much Kirk Cousins had to throw the ball. Uh we saw this last year. He threw the the third most pass attempts in his career. Uh, you know, deep ball. Completions attempts. I mean, he he was second in the league. So, and then he was top ten in passing yards, air yards, deep ball completion, press, uh, passing touchdowns, yards per attempt, pace of play, pass plays per game. So I don't think that changes at all. The offense is very consolidated with very very good uh, weapons. I I don't I don't see how how this is not a top ten offense. Honestly. Yeah, and back and back to Dalvin Cook for a second, Adam. Um, over those last three seasons, averaging two hundred and seventy carries, almost three hundred carries per season. So uh, that is a lot of tread on his tires. But man, like if you know he and he hasn't played a full season, thirteen games in twenty twenty one, fourteen in twenty twenty, fourteen in twenty nineteen, eleven in twenty eighteen. Yeah. So hasn't played a full season yet. 
But man, when he's on the field, you know he's getting the fucking ball. And yep. You know he's going to produce. Yep. Yes, yes. And if we yep. can get look, if we get 14 games out of Dalvin Cook again in 2022, he's got another 250 carries, another 1,200, 1,300 yards, double digit touchdowns. We know that this is this is going to be you know a thing. And, and we don't know if Alexander Madison is going to cut into his touches. I highly doubt it, but he is still going to be the centerpiece of that offense. Um, from a running, obviously from you know from the backfield, and man, I the 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 injury risk is high with him, but if we can get <laughs> if we can get thirteen out of seventeen or fourteen out of seventeen games out of him, I I am okay with that. I am yeah. okay with that. If I have the I mean, fourth pick, I would not be I would not be opposed to taking Dalvin Cook. Yeah, you, I would you take you take your moonshot, and I think that there's a reality that if he stays healthy, he's going to smash. I mean, I think there's no debating that. I guess actually, Gene, I don't know if you have it. Um, I would imagine Taylor's on the five one. Yeah. Like, what what are what are the top five picks right now looking like? So top five overall is JT, Christian McCaffrey, Cooper Cup, wow. Austin Eckler, uh, Derrick Henry. Justin Jefferson at six, and then Dalvin Cook at seven. Dalvin Cook is the fifth RB taken. I, I, I would take him over all those receivers. So I, I guess, I guess actually, based on current cost, I I would actually be in on Dalvin Cook. So yeah, I, I'm I'm with that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I I get it. I get it. And we could just re- briefly touch on the key players. We did touch on uh, Kirk Cousins just a little bit. Um, is I want to I want to pose this question because it, I I heard this on another pod that I was listening to earlier this week or late last week, um, with Kevin O'Connell coming from the Rams, is it is it a, is there a possibility that maybe Kirk Cousins and Justin Jefferson can make similar magic that Matthew Stafford and Cooper Cup made last year? Like, mm. is there is there is that a possibility? Because I just feel like Justin Jefferson is is set to just fucking explode. And he had 108 catches and over 1,600 yards and double digit touchdowns last year. So I I feel like they're gonna take this, take his role in this offense to new heights, to even to even greater heights. But that's just my opinion. But I just I'm curious to get you guys' thoughts on that because it, yeah, the potential there, man. Go ahead, go ahead, Adam. I think he can be better this season. Um, if you remember. Man, it's crazy when you go back and kind of think about how the season played out. I always like to do that. It's it's a good exercise, and I think we should do it, especially from the redraft perspective, right? Mm-hmm. I remember uh, when they played Cleveland, especially like he ended up having a touchdown, but he didn't get that many targets, right? And then they had the bye, and I remember he had two weeks after the bye, people started panicking. Like he didn't even have five targets, or he had five targets those next two games, and there was like. What's going on? Why isn't Jefferson getting the ball more? And after that, the target load went nuclear. Um, I think going into his third year, him being fully healthy, same quarterback, you know, like you said, the guy coming over from the Rams. <sighs> Listen, I think projecting Cooper Cup season last year is is um, bananas. We, we, we would be foolish to do that because yeah. he was so damn good last season. And so consistent. And so consistent. Um, watching his, I mean, the guy's so savvy. His IQ, touchdowns, like he did everything. I think projecting that would be kind of foolish. However, 
I will say that the ceiling, I think, this year for Jefferson, if he stays healthy with Cousins in this new offense, could be very much higher. Yeah, I do think so. Um, to get I mean, to Cooper Cup last year, is it in the range of outcomes? Probably. I just I wouldn't forecast that. And, and, yeah. and Cousins is going – just real quick, Gene. Uh, Cousins is going off the board at QB 16, so basically free at the end of drafts. So, man, I, I don't know. But sorry, Gene, to continue. No, I was going to say it, it would be foolish for us to project such a season, but, I mean, the ingredients are there because yes. you're in a consolidated offense. Cousins will air that hoe out. Like, he doesn't have no problems airing the ball out. As we just read off, he was second in deep ball attempts. And a lot of that was to Justin Jefferson already. Um, I, I mean, if he's bringing in the same concepts in terms of uh, formation concepts, route concepts, I mean, he had 1,600 yards, man, with with that conservative offense, quote-unquote. And I don't think their defense is going to be good again this year. <sighs> I mean, he he'll. I think he can beat sixteen hundred. I don't know if he's going to get to almost two thousand, but yeah. it's definitely a it's definitely a possibility. Yeah, I think I think for that to happen, too, ten touchdowns is going to have to go up. Yeah, um, I mean, I don't. Here's why I think it's it could have happened. Yes, but the guy had one hundred seventy targets last year. <laughs> <laughs> like, it's not like this guy is going to get like you know like he's going to just go all of a sudden get. Yeah, it, it's tough to project that much more work. Now, can he be better? Yes, but like to just to new new heights, I, I'd be a little cautious about that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But, and then also with that 170 targets, he had he was number one in air yards, number one in air yards share, and number one in deep targets. So right. he was already like at the at the, at the they were pushed. They were put. They were pushing the pushing yeah. as far yeah. as they yeah. could. Yeah. Right. So, so Adam, you think we're already seeing his his peak? Dance, what it sounds like. I, listen, I think he can be better, but I just I think projecting a lot more than what you're seeing is yeah, it's asking a lot. You know, 170 he, targets is a lot already. So th- there's look how many receivers in the last five did. years get 170 targets, man. That's that's pushing the envelope already. Yeah, but it's a consolidated offense, like we said. Like we know where those targets are going to. So right. Yep. Yeah. So, I mean. I think he's. I think he's going to be a smash in redraft. I think he's uh, from the wide receiver position as good a bet as any to be the wide receiver one. But you know, duplicating Cup last year and getting to yeah. you know Randy Moss type heights, uh, I might. I might pump just a little bit. That's yeah, hundred and ninety one yeah. targets from Cooper Cup last year. Where does Justin Jefferson? He can. He could finish between somewhere, somewhere between one sixty seven and one ninety one. Is that possible? Yes. Yes. Maybe yeah, hundred. Yeah. Maybe one hundred and eighty targets. Yeah. Yeah. He can, five. He, can, he can definitely he, get more. He yeah. could get a hundred. He could still get the same number as last year, but you know, it'd just be more, just be more efficient, and he would. He could easily get two or more yards out of if he gets like 10, 12 more, more uh, receptions. So, P- pivoting real quick to um, a discussion that's I think good for this division talk. One that I've been waiting on is. Specifically talking here with the Vikings, I, I I would much rather pass Aaron Rodgers and click the button two rounds later on Kirk Cousins. Yep, yep, no by, question. By, so freaking lutely by yep. by quite by quite a by quite a massive margin. Frankly, if you told me I have to take a quarterback right now and I'm looking at these two, I'm taking Cousins over him and redraft. Yeah, anyway. yes, yes. This offense is much. 
is set up much better than the Packers. So yeah. it makes sense. Yeah. And Aaron Rodgers ain't got no he ain't got no Justin Jefferson. No. The, no the, he doesn't have reliable. He, he, he doesn't even have a touchdown machine in Adam Thielen. He has 24 touchdowns over his last two years. He doesn't even have that either. And, so, and listen, guys, I, I want you to think about this from a fantasy football perspective, fantasy scoring points. Tell me how many times last year, and if you're listening, or if Gene and Ike, you had Aaron Jones, or you had A.J. Dillon these last few seasons, you know when you're on the two, the three, the four, and they set up this in-motion route, here comes Devontae Adams, we're going to get this little shovel pass touchdown so Aaron Rodgers gets his touchdowns in. Yeah. yeah. I don't I don't see the wide receiver that that draws those up now that gets those yeah. little cheap touchdowns for Aaron Rodgers that we saw so many times these last few years with uh, Devontae Adams in there. Yeah. Yeah. And so much about why you know why Devontae Adams and Aaron Rodgers had all that chemistry was Devontae Adams' crisp route running. Like he, yes. how we how we always used to beat beat defenders senseless, beat them off the line of scrimmage, and just create so much separation to where Aaron, and it made Aaron Rodgers' job a lot easier. And hell, even the times that Aaron Rodgers was recovered. Or uh, Devonte Adams was covered. Aaron Rodgers trusted Devonte Adams to the point where, hell, back shoulder. They were just so in sync, and he just does not have that right now um, with yeah. any of the current receivers that they have. So not yep. at all, not at all. Yep, one hundred percent. I'm one hundred percent with you, Ike. Yeah, uh, we we we've basically already touched on most of the most of the guys here. I mean, we we have Alexander um, we have Alexander Madison going at RB forty three. Um, that's one hundred thirty two overall. So again, that's at the end of. At the end of at the end of drafts, he's he's basically the top handcuff, the, the top running back handcuff in fantasy football. Four he started four games, finished as RB seven in week three, RB six in week five, RB eight in week thirteen. So uh, and then the RB thirteen in week sixteen. So he's gonna he's he's going to smash if something happens to Dalvin Cook. Yeah. Uh, so the, uh, the there you have that. I mean. That's quick question. Reason. Quick question before you move on. Yeah. Do you do if you draft Dalvin Cook? Do you already have in your mind that you're going to draft this handcuff, or you're still going under the impression that you're not you're not touching a handcuff? See, the Me, thing is, I'm not doing it. Okay. The thing, the thing is, like I've I've done that in the past because you know that you know that he's going to be he's he's going to smash if something happens to to Dalvin Cook. So yeah. and plus they're going so far apart. That he's going to be at the end of your drafts anyway, so he's he's going to be just occupying a bench spot um, until something you know. Put, and over as we've seen over the last three or you know three years, something's happened to Dalvin Cook to where he's missed a, a handful of games, and you already have that guy that you can just boom slot in there, have an RB one week. Um, yeah. But, but to, you know, I did make the I did make the comment about you know betting against yourself by drafting a handcuff. Yeah. That would probably be the only exception that I would make. Because they're going so far apart. Dalvin Cook, top five pick. The, you know, basically uh, Alexander Madison at the very end of your drafts. Like he's yes. just somebody they just pick up. So it, so, it so, won't really be as I don't know. It, it wouldn't be as as hurtful. I would say for me. me yeah, I, I get. You know, I, I understand what people do. I'll just say that this is the the way I look at handcuffs, um, especially in redrafts, right, where the benches are not super long. I'm out here trying to win a league. Like, Rick, think about Ricky Bobby. If you ain't first, you're last. I don't care about anything else. I want first <laughs> place. I want the money, and that's it. And if you're doing that, I want to shoot for absolute maximum upside, especially in the later rounds, right? Now, Alexander Madison, we talked about. When Dalvin Cook is out, locked in 
running back one, probably. Okay. But really what you're doing with that is you're holding that spot the whole time just so you can keep the idea that maybe you get slightly less than Dalvin Cook if he gets hurt. Really, you're that's a conservative play. You know? Yeah. Yeah, it is. And those are automatic zeros for the weeks he doesn't play because we already know Calvin is – I mean, Dalvin is getting all the touches. And, yeah. and when you draft him, what normally happens with an Alexander Madison type is you're rostering him forever, mm-hmm. waiting on that injury. Okay? And But if you if you have him now, you're, you're literally rostering two spots for that one position that you're going to yep. insert in your lineup. Where, for me – if I don't have Dalvin Cook and I get into this range, even around earlier, maybe I'll just take Madison because guess what? Now, if I have Jonathan Taylor, if I have Ike's boy, Aaron Jones, if I have DeAndre Swift in this stud running back room, and now I can put in the flex spot, Alexander Madison, in the late part of the season as a as a running back one, now I'm winning the championship and there's nothing you can do about it. Yep. Or you can 4D it and you get you go talk to that Dalvin Cook owner because he's probably looking for the – he's probably looking for the handcuff. Exactly. And you leverage and then, and then you and then you leverage you leverage that running back depth that you have. And okay, you want you want Madison, you want one of these other guys come pay me, and now my team's even better for it. Yep. Yep. Yeah, and we could just round out the the Vikings uh pass catchers. We have Adam Thielen going currently going as a wide receiver 34, so that's about 80th overall. Um I I'd still that that would be a that would be a pretty Decent value, especially with a guy that scores touchdowns. As I mentioned earlier, 24 touchdowns over his last two years. And, you know, he played, he played what, 13 games last year? He was top 15 in fantasy points per game. Top 15. He had 15 and a half fantasy points per game. So he's still, he's still relatively reductive, even, even, even though he's getting up there in age. Injuries are starting to kind of catch, kind of catch up to him. But he's still a solid route runner. He still gets open, and he's still a, a you know a huge weapon in the red zone. So, yeah. and, and and scoring touchdowns, you know, obviously that equates to fantasy points, and he gets a lot of catches. Um, so, I, I I like Adam Thielen, fifth, you know, number you know top twenty five in red zone targets, fifteen. So he's still utilized quite a bit in the red zone. Um, there's there's worse options um, at that 80, 80th spot than than Adam Thielen. Um, and then you have KJ Osborne. Wide receiver 79, that's free. And then rounding it out with uh, Irv Smith, who's returning from a uh, torn, I think, a torn ACL or torn meniscus that he suffered in the preseason. Yep. Um, before that, though, he was getting a lot of hype. He was, you know, definitely uh, a guy to watch that had, you know, had a pretty good training camp. You know, Vikings brass was really, really high on him. And then, you know, you know even in that preseason game, he was starting to cook a little bit. And then yep. he hurt his knee. So I'm um, going currently going as a tight end 16, number you know 135 overall. Again, freeing drafts, and this is another one of those guys that you could potentially look at and and, and maybe just throw a late you know a throw a dart at the very at the very end of the draft, especially yeah. if you're waiting on tight ends because um, yeah. he's a starting tight end locked into a you know three down role, um, and 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 he's going to be in a, a high volume passing game, and they play fast, so there's going to be a lot of pass attempts. And um, they're going to be running a lot of plays, and he's going to be on the field um, for the vast majority of them. So, um, I, I would like to target, you know, players in, in these in these types of offenses um, that are going to be moving the rock up and down the field. Yeah, I mean, he 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 did. Uh, I think it was a torn meniscus, but regardless, he had a, he had a significant knee injury, missed all last year. Um, I, I do think you know the new coaching staff brings some intrigue. I, the, there was 
some coach speak last year that was concerning about his yep. role and how, how much he'd be playing. Uh, maybe with, with the new coaching staff coming over, they, they will utilize him more on a heavy snap share and utilize him as a full tight end all, all downs. And that that certainly would make his intrigue higher for me. Um, there's probably some other tight ends I would consider for you know basically free. But at the same time, if you want to sh- shoot your shot on Irv Smith in an offense that we know is consolidated and needs a you know, second, third option. I can't fight you at that price. You know, I just can't. Yeah. 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 You got, you got tight ends like Noah Fant going before him, Cole Komet after him, Najoku after him, Albert O after him. So I think he's, he's in a good range in terms of where, where you could just be looking to get him. Yeah. 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 He's appropriately getting drafted. No question. Yeah. 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 Well, well guys, you know, we, we're at the end of the show. NLC North fantasy preview. You know, we appreciate Adam coming on here and, you know, blessing us with his knowledge and, and presence. Talking fantasy football is always a joy to talk fantasy with you. Uh, appreciate you, know, you man. Go ahead, go ahead and let the people know where they can, you know, tap in with you if, if they're interested to hear more of you and you and uh, in uh, Mike's voices. Yeah, we, we yeah. appreciate yeah. it. Yeah. Hell yeah, they are. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> See? They yes, are. I, I got the I got the Ike Aaron Jones voice in the background, you know, hyping me up, man. I, I like hearing that. Thank you, Mike. You know, <laughs> I needed ahead. somebody gotcha. giving me that same confidence. Yeah, gotcha. um, you, you can gotcha. find Mike and I, uh, 4D Chess or uh, the shit show South Harmon, uh, patreon.com forward slash South Harmon. Um, we do a lot of dynasty stuff over there, try to give you some of our mindset, a lot of strategy based things that we talk about. Uh, the 4D Chess podcast you can find under um, Destination Debbie Ray Garvin. And uh, you can find me on Twitter at ATM4DChess. You can find Mike on Twitter at Iowa Michael. And uh, if you want to follow our Twitter platform, you could follow at 4DChessFF. Um, all that being said, we, we'd love to have you know you come check us out over there. We we like to put a lot of work and time into it. And uh, you know, we get we do a lot of stuff like this, two-hour podcasts almost talking. All the all the fantasy football stuff, man. We're, we're we're degenerates. We could sit here and talk longer than this, but yeah, you know, we want to be mindful of, of your time. So we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll get you out of here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> they're they're definitely the the guys that that be on two hour plus pods, or if you're on their Patreon, you'll see how long they that they're on there talking. And it's not it's it's not anything that's like refurbished or you know just repeating themselves again is always fresh new new strategy new content that they put out there uh they're definitely sharp Absolutely. when it comes to dynasty i know i've i've learned a, a bunch of stuff in terms of how i should be thinking when i when i look to make trades in the short period of time that we've been around each other so i definitely appreciate their the, the work they put in so if you're definitely interested in the dynasty space i would definitely follow them you know check them out Again, we appreciate you, Adam, getting, coming on here and, and blessing us. And I appreciate, um, you, appreciate you guys having me. It was it yeah. was fun coming on here and talking NFC North. Uh, you know, some of the gross and some of the fun fun teams to talk about. But <laughs> there's, I, quite, I'm, there's quite a few that were gross for sure. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm very intrigued by the division, though. Honestly, from the fantasy yeah. football space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I, you got anything else to add before we leave? Yeah, no, uh, just, you know, follow follow our official Twitter handle at Off the Line FF. Uh, subscribe, rate, and review on, you know, anywhere podcasts can be found. Apple, Google, Spotify, uh, you name it, we're under the Destination Debbie umbrella. Um, and we have a lot of dope content, just like our our, our fellow uh, guest hosts 
uh, Adam with the 4D chess guys. You know, we have Ray GQ, uh, you know, run, running the show. And he, we have a lot, again, we have a lot of uh, dope content. And then follow Gene, Fantasy Genes, uh, G-E-N-E-S on Twitter as well. Absolutely, yeah. man. The Destination Debbie blow up is just beginning. <laughs> just that beginning. Is true. That's right. That is true. So, you know, on that note, we'll go ahead and leave y'all. Hopefully y'all enjoyed the content that we put out. Until next week, y'all be safe. You know, go 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 in your fantasy leagues. Go go take advantage of those those league mates that are not paying attention. Peace out. Later. Later.